0: Canada. Sinking board. We don't have adequate housing, transportation, or medical infrastructure. Good luck finding a doctor. And unless you lose a limb in front of at least a dozen people, there's no ambulance coming. Really? Crime and disruptive protests are on the rise. Just stop oil. The budget will balance itself. they are bankrupt, running $30 billion a year in deficit. Stupid bond investors and our central bank don't recognize our government is being run by a bunch of out-of-control, drunken gambling addicts. Damn, that stinks. Our immigrants don't assimilate and see themselves as better than us, even though they come from oppressive and ruined places. <laughs> will Canada find a way out of this mess? What we need now are less experts and less government. The year's 2014 and 25 are crucial. Canada kind of sucks right now. This is the Sinking Boat Podcast. Welcome to the first episode of the Sinking Boat Podcast. This is Harjeet Kandola. So Canada kind of sucks right now and a significant reason for that are our human rights tribunals. For example, 2017 an Ontario landlord was fined $12,000 by that province's uh, human rights tribunal for failing to respect his Muslim tenant's religion by not taking his shoes off when he entered their apartment. So this was John Allaby, whose apartment it was. He's of Brampton, Ontario. He was renting his home a unit to Walid Madkur, and Mr. Madkur was with him for just what are described as a few turbulent months before the lease was terminated, so I guess that means he wasn't paying right from the beginning. And so Allaby, who's a Christian, it is claimed failed to accommodate their religion practices after he failed to take off his shoes when showing prospective tenants the unit, and he also did not give them enough warning apparently before visits. So how this should cost him 12000 fucking dollars, or any amount at all, is ridiculous. I mean, people in Western society commonly walk into property they own with their shoes on. It's not something obscene in this society. So not only do Muslims engage in extreme violence and acts of terror against local people wherever they happen to immigrate to and look forward to putting their own alternative legal system in place to wherever they immigrate to, but now our human rights tribunals are enabling them to carry out financial terrorism against us as well. And in 2018, a First Nations woman, Crystal Smith, filed a human rights complaint against her landlord, Preminder Mohan, because he was preventing her from carrying out a a cultural ceremony known as a smudging. So she alleges discrimination against her on the basis of ancestry, race, and religion because he forbade her from smudging in her Burnaby suite. And so that's a common Indigenous practice that involves burning plants like sage or cedar to cleanse a space. Mohan said the smell was really strong and made him feel sick, and he believed that Smith was actually smoking marijuana. He tried to have the complaint dismissed, but the BC Human Rights Tribunal recently denied his application, paving the way for the case to go forward. And in 2020, the BC Human Rights Tribunal ruled in favor of the woman. The tribunal ordered landlord, Preminder Mohan, to pay her, his former tenant, more than $23,000, a total that includes $20,000 as compensation for injury to her dignity, feelings, and self-respect, $1,500 for lost wages, and $1,800 as compensation for expenses. So this is completely ridiculous. What, $20,000 for injury to her dignity, feelings, and self-respect? That's totally arbitrary. There's no way there's a legal standard for judging that. It's just her saying that her feelings were hurt, (laughs) and the judge awarded her $20,000. Okay, so now everyone in BC is on notice that if they're going to rent to a First Nations person, there may be significant damage occurring to their unit and smells that are disturbing others emanating from certain cultural practices. Are landlords now more likely to rent to First Nations uh, renters, or are they less likely? They're less likely. Same in the case with uh, John Allaby there in Ontario, when he had to pay such an outrageous sum to his Muslim tenants. Now the next time a uh, perhaps an honest Muslim couple is looking for a unit, are they more likely to get rented to, or are they less likely to get rented? to. They're less likely to get rented to. This is because people naturally look out for their own self-interest and it's in everyone's self-interest not to be financially raped in court. Therefore, these uh, human rights tribunal decisions are actually having the opposite effect of what the human rights tribunals are trying to achieve. Instead of bringing people together and have a more inclusive and equal society, a fair society, they're keeping people apart because people have no choice but to protect themselves from financial terror. There are also many and ongoing cases of opportunists who try to game the system by using the human rights tribunals to get money in their pockets. Um, a recent case in BC was a, a fellow who employed a, for, who applied for a job as a security guard said he didn't get the job because he has ADD. But then emails show that uh, the employer actually offered him the job after find, finding out about his ADD. <laughs> These actions have a wide range and chilling effect on Canadian society. How can we respect our neighbors as good and caring citizens should when certain neighbors have been bestowed with the power to financially destroy their own neighbors based on the slightest women as they see fit? Can any reasonable person not see that such arbitrary verdicts breed eternal fear and suspicion among the population? Fear and suspicion eventually breed utter hatred, not unity, and definitely not love. These unintended consequences are truly devastating and shame on the arrogant fools of the human rights tribunals for being so ignorant of this fact. For the sake of creating and promoting harmonious relationships between people of different races and religions in Canada, the human rights tribunals of every province need to be brought down and disbanded at once. Once this is done, will it embolden people in general to discriminate more openly? Of course it will. I'm okay with that fact because I want to be able to discriminate more myself. Ultimately, it is through the ability to discriminate can a society say it is truly free. I discriminate on a regular basis when it comes to choosing who I speak with or associate with, who my friends are, where I work, who I sit next to on public transit, and so on, along with millions of other people. But the so-called protections under human rights legislation that affect hiring and business practices and landlord practices also need to be removed. The balance to this is that if someone or a company is clearly discriminating when it comes to a characteristic like race or religion, then they can also be free to face a lawful backlash to that decision. Plus, an an entity can only discriminate to a certain point before they discriminate themselves out of business altogether. And those who are discriminated against usually don't have to look too far to get the service they need as long as they have money in their pocket. For example, if if a certain cafe doesn't want to serve me based on my race, well, I wouldn't want to stay there anyways because I'm going to get shitty service and there's going to be animosity going on. I got money in my pocket, so I can just go to the next one who's more than happy to get that money. In order to keep our courts from becoming the very kangaroo courts of third-world dictatorships, the burden of proof must remain on the shoulders of the accuser and their counsel. Is this always fair? No? Is it just? Definitely, as it is the only way to ensure those who need to be in prison end up in prison. However, more heinous than removing the burden of proof from our court system is that the same burden of proof is not required in our human rights tribunals. One must simply claim to be offended, and the elitist panel arbitrarily decides if the offended party deserves a financial payout. In order to justify its own existence, it is in the best interest of the rights tribunal for the definition of hate to be perpetually expanded in order to expand its jurisdiction. Also, it is in their best interest to agree with each offended party, because if it objects looked at whether damage had occurred, then it would have to deny claim after claim. In this case, many would begin to make noise the council is failing to meet its mandate. This dictates how the very existence of provincial human rights tribunals are troublesome and why they all need to be stopped and disbanded at once. So just to make sure things are as stupid as possible um, via the Canadian leadership, our troops who are in Latvia to deter the Russians have had no choice but to buy their own modern ballistic helmets equipped with a built-in hearing protection that doubles as a headset. They've also personally purchased rain gear and vests and belts to carry water and ammunition out of their own pocket. Meanwhile, allies like uh, troops from Denmark are showing up with Canadian-made gear that makes them better equipped than the Canadians. So these guys are carrying rifles and eyesights made in Canada and are better equipped than the Canadian soldiers. Oh, don't worry though, Canada just gave about $10 billion total to Ukraine because uh, they didn't want to compromise with Russia and promised them that they wouldn't join NATO. And we just made a climate payment of about uh, $5.3 billion to uh, Philippines. I mean, I swear, every opportunity that this government gets to make us poorer, and not just poorer, but look stupid at the same time, it seizes. It seizes with like a vengeance. What more is there to even say about this shit? And that concludes today's broadcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, give me a like and I'll see you soon.